Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Cotton Club crew. My name is Jack and I'm here with Joe tonight. We are also joined by a third guest, Jake Hatch from Locked On BYU. Uh, tonight we're going to be kind of doing a special on uh, of one of many that we're doing in this offseason. Kind of going to be talking to some uh, guys from teams that are coming in to the Big 12. Uh, and this episode is going to be fo- uh, focused on BYU. So um, obviously last year, uh, BYU finished the uh, same record as Tech with a 8-5 and five record. Um, and... You know, they're coming in, they're looking forward to kind of a big year, kind of a, to make a splash in the Big 12. Uh, you know, they have uh, got a big pickup at quarterback with Keaton Slovis coming from Pitt, uh, who was originally at USC and uh, went to Pitt, and now he's at BYU. Um, they got a huge pickup, um, kind of guy they already had in Cody Epps that, uh, you know, put his name in the portal and then uh, withdrew. So, uh, he's back. We're going to talk to Jake about, uh, some of the big questions for that tech fan base wants to know about BYU. Uh, some of the stuff such as what would be a, uh, considered a good season for the Cougars. Um, you know, uh, what's the biggest weakness on their team? Uh, and then we're going to get into some fun stuff such as, you know, the way BYU is utilizing the NIL, um, recruiting battles with Utah, stuff like that. So uh, we're just going to go ahead and jump into it. Um, I'll pass to Joe so he can ask the first question. We can kind of get this rolling. Joe, go ahead. Once again, thank you for coming on with us tonight. It's a huge honor. I've been catching up on y'all's podcast over the last week, kind of doing my research and stuff. So much appreciated you jumping on with us today. Um, my first question is basically pretty pretty simple. Um, what are we expecting offensive offensive wise with Slovis with Epps returning? You know, he was only in the portal for a couple of days, as per one of your other podcasts that I listened to. And then, how are you guys going to um, also fill the running back void that y'all are having to fill from y'all's biggest rusher from last year? 
Oh, uh, first off, thanks for having me, guys. I guess the first thing on the on the quarterback front, uh, BYU is expecting Keaton Slovis to return to more of what he showed during his time at USC. Obviously, you need to bank on that, considering uh, what happened last year at Pitt was not very good, uh, frankly, from from his perspective. Cody Epps uh, did go into the portal for about two days and then withdrew his name. I actually had a great conversation with him on my podcast earlier this week, and he talked about the fact that he he said that the guys have welcomed him back for the most part, but he said that he understands why some of his teammates probably had a, a negative feeling uh, about him jumping in when he did. But I, I think those two are ready to rock and roll. They've really built, built up a strong rapport. I had a chance to catch up with both of them. We were out at a media golf event on Monday and had a chance to chat with both of them and they both sound very upbeat and very positive about the upcoming season for BYU and I'm looking forward to seeing what their connection looks like actually out on the football field. Now with regards to the running back position that you asked about BYU uh, lost Christopher Jackson who had a pretty solid season last year after being a grad transfer that came in uh, from Cal. This year they have brought in another transfer by the name of Aiden Robbins. Originally he had signed with Louisville out of high school. He's actually a Louisville native and then uh, when he just saw very scant playing time with the Cardinals. He transferred to UNLV last year and had a thousand yard season, was very, very productive at the Mountain West level. And BYU actually was one of his finalists when he originally was coming out of high school. He went into the transfer portal uh, out of after that season against UNLV and BYU immediately started chasing him once again, ultimately decided Provo was where he wanted to play. So they are hoping he can replicate what he did for the run in Rebels last year down there in Las Vegas. And if he even approaches a thousand yards, I think it'd be a pretty good season, all things considered the first year in the Big 12. That's really, uh, it's a really cool uh, arc. Uh, I don't know. Is that pretty uh, characteristic, or is that just something that has been, uh, you know, just accustomed to y'all kind of like plugging holes over the last couple of years, or, or have y'all been hitting the portal pretty hard in terms of that, uh, in that aspect? Uh, in terms of the running back position, BYU's actually used it to great effect over the last four to five years. The Really the only one that wasn't a transfer portal addition in the last, I'd say, six or seven seasons for BYU would be Tyler Algier, who's now at the Atlanta Falcons. Funny enough, he came to BYU as a preferred walk-on. Uh, originally started his career at running back, then moved over to linebacker for an entire year before returning to running back and obviously having some monster seasons before jumping to the NFL. But yeah, they, they've really uh, done a, a pretty good job, especially at running back plugging that hole by bringing in running backs via the transfer portal, but they they have a, f- a pretty high-level prospect, three or four-star, depending on which recruiting service you look at, uh, coming in from El Paso, Texas, funny enough, and LJ Martin, uh, he is going to be on campus this year, and BYU has hopes that he can kind of grow with the program and eventually become one of those quote-unquote homegrown guys who they don't have to necessarily go to the transfer portal to plug that hole, but yes, the, the just the running back is kind of a microcosm of how BYU utilize the transfer portal. Yes, they will always try and opt uh, to have guys that have been high school recruits that have come in and kind of grown with the program end up uh, becoming the the guy, quote unquote, at their position. But if they feel the need and they can find the right guy they feel like in the transfer portal, they will not hesitate, uh, no matter what the position is, to go out and bring that guy in. Understandable. Um, speaking of holes, you know, we'll, we'll kind of touch on... Uh, Obviously, with guys coming in and out, you know, transfer portal, people graduating, go into the draft, all of that stuff. Um, there are going to be holes on the team. You know, Tech has them. Every team has them. Um, what are some of the biggest holes that you're noticing or uh, could be possible, uh, I guess, a weakness on, on the Cougars this season? 
Well, last year the defense was the big uh, weakness for BYU, frankly. They finished, I think, if you go by Bill Connolly's numbers, 95th in SP Plus on defense. And it was just, it was it was not good. And it caused Kalani Satake, BYU's head coach, to say, you know what, I need to make a change. So he cleaned house on the defensive side of the football, uh, fired four of the five assistants on that side of the ball, including hit one of his best friends and his defensive coordinator in Elisa Tuiaki. Uh, he turned his attention uh, just north of where BYU's at about two hours and brought in a guy by the name of Jay Hill. He's had a great run over the past decade or so at Weber State at the FCS level as their head coach. Has put together very, very good defenses during his time up there at Weber State. Uh, They were both assistants together on Kyle Whittingham's staff at Utah, so uh, both knew each other very, very well. Kalani went out and essentially made him an offer he could not refuse. Uh, the, the BYU reportedly is paying him north of a million dollars, speaking of Jay Hill, to come in and be their defensive coordinator. Early returns are that he's getting this defense implemented. I, I'm not 100% convinced it's going to be a perfect uh, defense by any means this season, but anything... Uh, improvement-wise over what was last season's defense would be a, a significant improvement. So I, if you want to ask me like what the chief weakness is for me going into the season, it's, yeah, looking at that defense, wondering how much better they can be. Staying on that defensive side of the ball there, I was doing some little stat research earlier this afternoon, and this kind of goes along with what you were saying about this, um, the defense being kind of y'all's, y'all's weaker point. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, according to y'all's website, it says 15 total sacks last year and 12 total takeaways. Is that is that accurate? Yep, you got it. And that 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 trust me, that gets uh, BYU fans all kinds of fired up thinking about. It. They average just about a sack a game. And funny enough, I think three or four of those sacks may have come in their bowl game. So uh, they really were tracking at one sack a game throughout the, most of the season, and just not good enough. And the one thing that Jay Hill has promised, and I, I just know from his reputation and watching his defenses at Weber State here in the state of Utah, is this is going to be a much more blitz uh, oriented defense. They will bring pressure if they can uh, manage to get pressure with four guys, they'd love to do that, but he will not hesitate uh, to bring guys off the edge, bring six, seven man blitzes if he has to, to generate pressure. He refuses, as he says, to die, uh, to have uh, essentially die by a thousand paper cuts. He does not want that to happen. And uh, too often over the past two seasons in particular for BYU under their previous defensive coaching staff, that's kind of how things went. It was just, you're dying a slow death because they would just say, you know what, we're running our base defense. And the thing is, the base defense was getting carved up, especially on third downs. So, yes, they need to generate more sacks. Obviously, the 12 takeaways is not good enough either. And those are two things that I think Kalani Satake was very intent on upgrading with his uh, new defensive coordinator hire. And the hope is that Jay Hill will be able to bring some of the stuff he's done at Weber State and hopefully uh, improve those numbers pretty dramatically. And with that... um with those defenses, is he going to be kind of focusing on more of a, I guess, a run base, or is he is he more focused on the on the air game? He is always going to make sure that the the, the defense is going to be stopping the run as much as possible. Uh, Both Kalani Satake, who was a defensive coordinator before becoming a head coach, as well as Jay Hill, both of them grew up at the feet, uh, quote-unquote, just as assistant coaches under Kyle Whittingham at the University of Utah. And Anybody who's coached Whittingham's reputation, it's built on defense, and especially uh, in terms of stopping the run. The goal is simply put to make you one-dimensional, speaking of the opponent. If they can stop the run and make it so the team has to beat you, 
you. Their quarterback has to beat you with his arm. They're happy to do that. So yes, they're going to be more run oriented, at least uh, to start. But uh, like anybody out there, you'd like to be balanced. But if, if you if they have to pick one, they will absolutely go all in on stopping the run if at all possible. And on that defensive side of the ball, can you give us some names of some players to look out for on each level, the defensive line, the linebacker corps, and then there in the secondary, some three names that you're going to be hearing a lot from potentially as, you know, potentially big 12 player kind of people or players and things like that. Do you do, does BYU have some of that talent there on that defensive roster? Uh, they believe so. And I, the, most of the names I'm going to, uh, name here are kind of a mix of transfer portal guys as well as guys who have been in the program. So along the defensive front, uh, the two names that come to mind first for me are both edge rushers. Uh, One is Tyler Batty, a local product from the state of Utah here. Uh, He's been a guy that has shown flashes at times of being a very, very nice pass rusher, but the old defense required him to do more two-gapping and run-stopping stuff, so it really just kind of negated his natural ability to get after the quarterback. This new defense will free him up to make more plays. He's a prototypical defensive end uh, listed at 6'5", 280 pounds. So he's, he's at all the size you want in a power five defensive end. But then opposite of him, uh, they're going to have a guy by the name of Isaiah Banya. He's a transfer from Boise State uh, who joined BYU in January. Uh, actually, funny enough, two seasons ago was Boise State's leading sack artist and had an injury last year as he was off to a pretty good start to start the season. But the hope is that he can rebound to being more more of what he was uh, two seasons ago for Boise State as he suits up for BYU. But uh, they're going to be the two guys expected to really lead the pass rush for BYU off the defensive line, and we'll see how that goes. At linebacker, they brought in a transfer from Utah State, an in-state transfer by the name of A.J. Vongpachan. And uh, that's not a very easy name to say. He's actually uh, of Laotian uh, descent, funny enough. He's from the Northwest uh, up there in the Seattle area. But I uh, had a 100-tackle season a year ago for Utah State. Comes in and figures to be BYU's rock in the middle of their defense and should free up uh, two other linebackers to make plays who are BYU's chief playmakers a year ago, speaking of Max Tooley as well as Ben Bywater. Both of them had pick sixes. I believe Tooley had two last year. Bywater had one that actually helped them win their bowl game. Uh, Bywater actually right now is sitting on two consecutive seasons. I think one season had 102 tackles. Last year had 98, so he's got over 200 career total tackles already. Uh, He's expected to have a big season this year. Those three will probably be BYU's main linebacking trio. And then in the defensive secondary, I think you're looking at two safeties. Micah Harper as well as Malik Moore. Malik Moore is a fifth-year starter for BYU. has been an absolute uh, stud back there when he's been healthy. was knocked out early in the season last year. Decided to uh, utilize his COVID year and come back and play this year. Figures to have a, a strong fifth year for uh, BYU this fall. And then Michael Harper is a guy that BYU has been hoping could really break out. And last season really kind of showed what he was capable of after making the move from cornerback to safety. So they got two very, very capable safeties on the back end. I think all three of those linebackers uh, should be able to make plays off of one another. And like I said, up front, they hope those two edge rushers can really bring some pressure. I'm going to jump back to the offense for for just a moment here. Sure. Um, you know, talking about Slovis and, you know, how he looked at USC and, you know, obviously hoping for uh, to return to that sort of form. Uh, you know, looking at uh, some of the just stats from last season, you know, there's there's a lot of fluctuation there in terms of passing and just in yards uh, from Hall. You know, there are games where uh, I mean, obviously Utah Tech is kind of an outlier because it's Utah Tech, but you know, 456 yards. I mean, at Boise, you know, 377. That's that's a 
solid effort for sure. But then, you know, you have games at home against East Carolina where, you know, 144, you know, at Liberty 187, uh, and then, you know, at Notre Dame 120. Uh, I guess my question would be more along the lines of, um, is that just due to just off games or uh, do you feel like Hall maybe didn't have enough time in, uh, to throw or to let the routes, you know, develop? Is is this something that, you know, obviously you're, you're hoping to change, but, uh, you know, I guess what was the common outlier there? The biggest thing for Jaron Hall, who's now in the NFL with the Minnesota Vikings, is health. And that that's kind of the big bugaboo about uh, kind of the story of his BYU career is when he was 100% healthy, he's lights out. You mentioned some of those big games he had. Those games, by and large, are the games that he was the most healthy in his BYU career, but he had different injuries pop up. He had a high ankle sprain that knocked him out of the final game as well as bowl game last year. And uh, the year before that, he broke ribs midseason and was knocked out for three or four games in that span. But And he was slow to come back from both of those injuries and it's just the down games it feels like are games that he has struggled with uh, Notre Dame last year for example you, you look at that game and he had a decent game but uh, that was his first game back after a shoulder injury and BYU rushed him back because they felt like they didn't have another option that was capable of keeping him keeping them in that game and he did not look himself at all I was actually in attendance down there in Las Vegas when they took on the Fighting Irish and he just didn't look himself so uh, the big story with a guy like Jaron Hall is yes when he was at his best when he was healthy he was absolutely lights out. But to your point, you want to see more consistent numbers obviously this year from a guy like Keaton Slovis. And the, uh, the thing about this is BYU's offensive line last year was actually pretty good, especially in pass blocking. If you go by the PFF grades, etc., they were actually very solid in that realm. Uh, this year though, they have really done a good job in the transfer portal, bringing in a number of bodies along that offensive front that should make it even better than it is. And Keaton Slovis has already said, he went through spring camp and he said, this offensive line has given me a lot of time. It's given me the opportunity to go through my progressions. Uh, so the hope is, yeah, you'll see more consistent numbers from Keaton this year. But as we all know, the proof will ultimately be in the pudding out there when they finally take the field. Kind of to Debbie off of my defensive question, is there any other guys other than, you know, you're obviously your Slovis and your Epps kind of guys, and then you have that running back. Is there like a incoming freshman or transfer guy who's going to break out this year on the offensive side of the ball? Is there anybody like that who's cut, who's been kind of standing out thus far? Uh, well, one that's a holdover that I'm expecting to have a bigger year this year because he's just he's simply healthy is Isaac Rex, their star tight end. Uh, at the tail end of the 2021 season against USC in the regular season finale, he suffered a compound dislocation of his ankle catching a touchdown pass. Came down, ankle folded, uh, broke the skin. He had actually multiple surgeries to fix the damage in that ankle, had multiple plates and screws put into it to stabilize it. And there was a lot of thought going into last season is, okay, when will he be actually be able to play? And I, I was of the opinion, you take the year off because just that, that's, it was a major, major injury that he underwent. He battled back and practiced all a training camp last year and went through the entire season. And I would venture to say never played at above maybe 70% of his true ability as a tight end. Funny enough, despite all that he was second on the team in touchdown receptions a year ago. Now during the offseason he actually had all that hardware taken out of the ankle and during spring camp he was moving I would say two or three times better than he was at any point that I was out of practice last fall. So uh, the hope is that he will return to more of the form he had during the 2020 and 2021 seasons. Uh, He had 12 touchdowns as a freshman in 2020 if I recall correctly and BYU expects him to get back to more of that type of production for BYU uh, this fall. We'll see what happens there. 
In terms of a transfer coming in, uh, I would keep an eye on two receivers. Uh, obviously, joining uh, guys like uh, uh, Cody Epps. They also have two other holdovers at wide receiver in Keanu Hill and Chase Roberts. I think they're a very nice trio of guys to have. But they brought in two transfers at wide receiver. Uh, one, Darius Lassiter coming in from Eastern Michigan, and the other one is Keelan Marion from UConn. Uh, both of them have had their moments uh, at their previous schools of uh, pretty good production, but the hope is that both of them can come in and really up their game, and uh, they've both kind of talked on the record about the fact that they had really, they felt like unstable quarterback, uh, unstable quarterbacking at their previous stops, so the hope is with a guy like Keaton Slovis throwing the rock all over the field, they'll have better seasons, and we'll see. Uh, I think those two were two guys to keep an eye on, but if you wanted me to peg one guy, this guy I already mentioned, Aiden Robbins. If he has another 1,000-yard season for BYU this year, he can find himself off to the NFL as soon as next year, and that would be a phenomenal amount of production at the running back position for BYU year one in the Big 12. Absolutely. Um, Kind of panning now to – I'm kind of going to move it on a little bit. Looking at the schedule for BYU this year, um, you know, obviously your four – or. I guess three games uh, for your non-conference and then jumping right into the big 12. Um, obviously y'all open at Kansas, which I would hope that y'all win um, Cincinnati at home on a Friday night, which will, which will definitely be an interesting game. Um, and then you got a week off and then you jump into the Texas gauntlet is uh, kind of what it's going to be probably advertised as uh, going to TCU, then at home against Texas Tech, and then off to Austin to face Texas the weekend after. Um, any of those, or I mean, obviously you could talk. You talk Oklahoma, Oklahoma State as well. Um, which uh, which Big Twelve game uh, do you kind of feel like the fan base is is kind of you know excited for? Uh, you know what which teams are uh, I guess y'all really excited to see, or maybe not even in Provo, but uh, you know maybe worth taking a road trip to. Uh, well, this may be a cop-out, but can I say all of them? Because BYU fans are just ecstatic uh, to be in the Big 12, simply put. They they have been hoping for this for the better part of 12 seasons. They went independent with the whole goal of becoming a Power 5 program. So uh, over a decade later, they're going to finally live the dream they, they have hoped for for so long. So uh, honestly, I think BYU fans are just happy to have it. I would say the first one, obviously Kansas. Uh, I'm actually planning on making the trip out there to Lawrence to take it in. It's a, a, a his historical moment for BYU obviously the following week with Cincinnati coming in for their first home Big 12 game will be will be awesome but I think BYU fans you're going to see a healthy contingent of Cougar fans at every single one of these games uh, no matter where it's at uh, they'll be out of West Virginia they'll be at Texas they'll be at uh, at Kansas they're, they're going to be all over uh, the Big 12 because their their fan base speaking of, of Cougar fans have been absolutely living and dying and hoping for this moment. So honestly, I think this year, I don't think there's necessarily one in particular that stands out above the rest. Uh, Personally, for me, to see... Uh, Oklahoma come to Provo, I think it's going to be a really cool thing for me. I, I've always hoped that I would see them play in Provo one day, but I, I just honestly think, I tr- I'm, I'm dead serious about this, I think BYU fans, if you were asking them to a man or woman, they would absolutely say uh, they're just happy to be in the Big 12 and every game is going to be awesome this year. Looking back at that schedule as well, um, I'm looking here, y'all, let me have it pulled up, y'all's, y'all's non-conference, you know, Sam Houston at home, Southern Utah at home, and then on the road to Arkansas. 
So are you guys thinking that you need to at least come out of that three games, two and one heading into the Big 12 with some kind of momentum or potentially even three and oh, you know, kind of give Arkansas a taste of what they did to y'all last year um, heading into the Big 12 to, you know, to take some of that momentum into the Big 12 year one? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Two and one is the bare minimum because I, Sam Houston's making a leap up to the FBS level, obviously, this year as a member of Conference USA. I know that they've been a power program at the FCS level. They've won a national title in the recent past. So uh, you can't overlook the Bearcats, but the full expectation is BYU's two and one going into Big 12 play at minimum. If they're anything less than that, if they're one, or, one and two, I think BYU fans be hitting the panic button that early in the season, just wondering, okay, how uh, deep can this hole really go uh, for us in the, in the Big 12? So it, It'll be interesting to see what happens there. The biggest thing is, I think, yes, they need to carry some momentum forward. That, that Arkansas game, considering what Arkansas did in Provo last year, just running roughshod over BYU, is actually kind of, in, in many ways, looking back at it, it was the, the straw that broke the camel's back with regards to Kalani Sitake ultimately deciding at the end of the season to fire his defensive staff. I think that was the the one game, it was a microcosm of everything that was wrong with last year's defense. So I think that BYU will have revenge on their mind. I'm just not sure it's enough to go down there and beat the Razorbacks. Backs, uh, in Arkansas, but we'll find out. Uh, so, but yeah, at minimum, they got to be two and one going into Big Twelve play. You, you beat those two teams, Sam Houston and Southern Utah, at home to start the season two and zero. Oh, and I think you'd be off to a fairly decent start. And then ultimately, yeah, as you mentioned, you start Big Twelve play, and we'll see where the chips ultimately fall this season. I tell you, yeah, I I was looking at that schedule, and um, I I'm not able to make it out to a game in Provo this year, but. All the pictures I've seen, I mean, and I'm sure the pictures don't even do it justice, just of, of the scenery around it. And it's one of the places that uh, I know a lot of a lot of tech fans are actually very interested in going to. And you might see a good amount of tech fans at that game in Provo just because um, people, you know, have, have seen the pictures and of have, have how beautiful it is out there. And, you know, they want to get out there and... Um, you know, uh, hopefully it's not too much of a culture shock. I, I really, uh, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm planning for the for the day when, uh, when, when the Cougars come to Lubbock. It's going to definitely be an interesting uh, thing because uh, I, I would, I would describe Lubbock as as one of a kind, and I'm sure pretty much everyone in the Big Twelve would say the same about their town. But uh, uh, Lubbock truly is something a little different, <laughs> and and uh, once you go, you'll like it. But um, speaking on all that, um, kind of angling into that, um, you know, do you, do you feel like with BYU being a part of the big 12 now, I know you, you mentioned, uh, a guy that from El Paso that, that had joined the team. Um, do you, do you feel like BYU is going to definitely be hitting, uh, you know, the Southern States a little more hard, uh, now that they have that exposure from the big 12, do you think that that's something that can really play into their, uh, you know, their recruiting? Absolutely. Uh, they, they've already made a concerted effort in the 2024 class to offer a number of kids from the state of Texas in particular. Uh, we had Fessy Satake, the wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator on my radio station that I work for here in Salt Lake City, the KSL Sports Zone. He joined us Monday morning and he talked about the fact that, yes, the exposure of playing in the Big 12 will open up, as they call it, the South. And that involves Texas, the Midwest, obviously on into the, the true deep South. We're talking SEC type country uh, to go out and recruit for BYU. And they are, they're absolutely 
absolutely planning on recruiting that area more heavily. Now, they, with their reach, obviously, BYU being a church-affiliated uh, school, the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, most of your listeners will know it as the Mormon or the LDS religion. Uh, they will absolutely uh, be able to tie into that all over the country. You'll actually, uh, funny enough, when BYU does play at Texas Tech, whether it's in 24 or beyond, uh, you'll actually have some BYU fans who probably are living in your backyard down there in Lubbock who will show up. Uh, it's funny that the reach that BYU has both nationwide, even globally. But to your point, they will absolutely be recruiting those areas more heavily. I can think of at least... Man, I would say 10 names off the top of my head that BYU's offered in the 24 class from the Lone Star State alone. And uh, I would expect that that's going to be kind of the, the the tip of the iceberg, so to say, when it comes to BYU's efforts down there. They absolutely know that they need to recruit the places they'll be they'll be playing in. Obviously, they'll continue to recruit the West Coast heavily. They've traditionally done very well in-state. They'll go out to California, the Pacific Northwest, and even out to Hawaii. But they know that if they want to have success in the Big 12, they have got to go and recruit the South more heavily, and more in particular, the state of Texas. Do you think that that could also, uh, you know, help, you know, I kind of mentioned in the opening, you know, in uh, in recruiting battles that you're in, you, uh, whether it be with Utah, uh, you know, whoever, Cal, uh, any of the Pac-12 schools, uh, do you think that that gives you an upper hand there as well also? Uh, that's the hope, at least. Uh, ultimately, you've got to go out and be able to sell yourself, and the best thing that, to do to sell yourself is to be able to be a consistent winning program, and uh, that'll be the interesting part to see how consistently BYU can compete and win in the Big 12. But yes, if they start to win, it will win them recruiting battles. They actually, uh, funny enough, I can think of a, a couple of guys in this past recruiting class who, in my opinion, I, I don't have this on the record from them, but in my personal opinion, if BYU was not going into the Big 12 conference, they wouldn't even give them the coup is the time of day. The, the fact that BYU will have that Power 5 affiliation next to their name was a game changer for, I can think of at least two guys I would consider that would have never considered it. So uh, they'll obviously have to continue to upgrade their recruiting. The recruiting rankings uh, for BYU, frankly, are, are subpar uh, for a Power 5 program, but uh, they have said on the record and off the record both ways that they plan on upgrading that and ultimately we'll see how high they can go if they truly can improve that. But uh, yeah, the, the big thing is they need to make sure that they are competing as much as possible to bring in top-tier talent here at home in the state of Utah, but also to go out and win it against other programs at the Power 5 level. So to go along with that recruiting battle kind of stuff coming into the Lone Star State, you know, coming more east of y'all, um, what are, what's BYU doing um, as far as NIL going to help their athletes out? I know that Texas Tech has one pretty major one that it's called the Matador Club, where every player, even if you're a preferred walk-on, non-starter, anything like that, you're getting 25K essentially to come to school. And that's kind of letting us hoard some talent because, you know, we have some guys on our roster that are that have Division One talent and had offers other places, but they're PWO here. But they come here because they know that they have that safety valve. And then fo the following year, they'll probably most likely be put on scholarship. So is BYU doing anything as far as NIL to help their athletes out right now? 
Absolutely. They're actually one of the early adopters who kind of went all in on the NIL sphere. They weren't as necessarily as boastful about it as a program like Miami was early on, but BYU's absolutely tried to steer into it. Uh, BYU fans have noticed the Matador Club. I was actually going to bring it up if you did not about uh, how Texas Tech is taking care of the entire uh, squad down to the walk-ons. BYU's endeavored to do something similar. They have, uh, they called their, they had a built bar, uh, what they call a scholarship. It's a, it was an NIL deal. Built bar is a, a local, uh, protein bar company here in the state of Utah that was giving every player on BYU's roster, if they were a scholarship player, they got, I think it was, it was in the thousand dollar range in terms of just straight up uh, cash from Built Bar, but the walk-ons uh, from BYU were getting all of their tuition paid for by Built Bar. Uh, Kalani Satake has absolutely uh, tried to integrate an NIL atmosphere that is going to benefit his players as much as possible. He's encouraged uh, as much as he possibly can for companies to take it on as a whole team and similar to what Texas Tech has done where the whole team is being taken care of because BYU, similar to Texas Tech, understands they have to have an ability to stand out from the rest of the crowd NIL-wise to bring guys in. And yeah, if they can hold a couple of preferred walk-ons who may have been a top-level G5 talent or a, or a P5 talent who says, you know what, if they're willing to pay uh, my way for at least the first little bit until I'm on scholarship, I'm willing to do that. It's a huge, huge benefit. And BYU is aspiring to uh, kind of in my, many ways follow what Texas Tech has already done. Done. You know, you mentioned uh, you'd mentioned kind of the global reach that uh, that BYU has, and I would agree with that. And Joe and I were talking about uh, this before, uh, and we had we had listened to uh, I guess uh, an episode of the pod where uh, you had mentioned that uh, BYU is the largest brand in the Big Twelve with Texas and Oklahoma leaving. And Joe and I were talking about it, and um, we didn't disagree. Uh, I, I feel like. From a standpoint, it, it, and not to compare to a Notre Dame or anything like that, but um, in terms of the in terms of the LDS uh, affiliation and everything, it, I mean, yeah, what Notre Dame is to Catholicism, I guess BYU is to the LDS, and um, you know, I, I feel like um, that that's definitely going to get y'all some some brownie points there as well. From uh, like you said, I mean, there are definitely people living. Uh, in Lubbock that, you know, are, we have, uh, that are, um, followers of the LDS. And so, um, you know, I, I feel like that's definitely a, uh, a very real possibility that really opens up, um, I guess just tons of avenues. And I, and I can't even imagine, you know, coming, I mean, obviously I went to tech, but, uh, you know, I, I can't even imagine what it's like, you know, having just that that connection kind of all over the place, you know. Well, and let me let me let me intersperse one thing and, and bear with me for a minute here. I actually had a really good friend of mine. I I, I went to BYU in my undergrad days, and uh, I have a roommate. Funny enough, that from my time at BYU, one of my dear dear friends to this day, who actually served a Mormon mission, a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints in Lubbock. Funny enough, guys. So uh, he he's actually very excited uh, in terms of having the opportunity to go back uh, to some of his quote unquote old stomping grounds when he spent those two years down there in the Lubbock area serving an LDS mission. Uh, I. I, I served a mission myself. I went to Taiwan of all places. And I was one day we have on a mission, you have a day, they call it a preparation day where you're not dressed up in the suit and tie, uh, but I happened to be wearing a BYU shirt that day. And I was walking around a local park in this little small town in Taiwan. This guy walked up to us and, uh, he to if if he had an affiliation with the Mormon Church, the LDS Church, uh, he he fooled us. But he walked up, he pointed at my shirt and said, "Hey, 
is that BYU? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, hey, I, I, I know about BYU. I've actually watched American football and one of the games I've watched was, involved BYU. And he said, I've, I've always kind of followed uh, BYU since then. So it, it kind of shows the reach that BYU truly has. It, it is truly global because as you mentioned, it, it's not to the same level of Notre Dame and Catholicism. I'm not trying to say that, but it is the flagship university of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. There's 16, almost, no, 17 million members around the world of the LDS religion and counting. And I, I'd venture to say that no matter even if they're a fan of another program or another team, they have some connection to BYU. And that's just simply, that, that's, that's, that's kind of the argument I was making is BYU's affiliation with the church gives it both nation and global appeal, nationwide and global appeal, which I, I'm not sure that any other program in the Big 12 outside of an Oklahoma or a Texas truly can match. No, sir. I am. We were in agreement in that. And I was, I, whenever I heard the podcast of you making that statement and things like that, I mean, I was, I took us, you know, I even paused the podcast because I had to, I had to think about it. And I'm like, well, who, who does that leave in our conference now that brings that kind of, you know, that I wouldn't say power, but maybe like luggage, like they just have you guys are everywhere, just like you said. So that after I thought about it for a while, I was like, yeah, these guys probably will have the biggest technically brand coming into the Big 12. And, you know, that I mean, that just bodes well for the conference. I mean, not just for you guys, but just for the conference of bringing more eyes to the Big 12 and things like that. So, I mean, I, I totally agree with you on that on that regard about BYU. Um, now kind of just um, transferring um, over back to the scheduling side of it. Um, we're looking at your schedule right now. Uh, we kind of just went over it a while ago. The 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 non-conference and then it's Kansas, Cincinnati, TCU, Texas Tech, Texas, West Virginia, Iowa State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. What is what is the the fan base kind of feeling as far as what they're thinking would be a season that hey I'm okay with this year one of the Big 12. We go say six and six. Is that like the the bottom of the barrel? Like we need to at least go six and six, and then everything everything above that would just be okay. Hey, icing on the top of the cake. This is what we didn't even expect this, but we got here. Um, you know, shows that we could we do belong in a P5 um, conference, things like that. Is there like a, a, a scale that you guys have set or that the fan base is kind of talking about? Well, you guys have listened to my podcast. You know that my expectation or at least what I'm predicting is a six and six. I think you get to bowl eligibility to be a great season. I, I would say that BYU fans, the majority would say that they want to see a quote unquote winning season, whether that's a seven and five or potentially an eight and four. I think anything that gets BYU bowling year one in the Big 12 by and large would be considered a success for BYU because they're, they've tried to do a really good job in terms of ramping up for the Big 12. It's something that BYU's aspired to do, as I said, for over a decade. Uh, they've tried to schedule as many Power 5 opponents in any given season as much as possible during their independent years, but the most they ever played was 7, and they're going to play 10 this year. So it, It's going to be a new level and a new grind that BYU's never experienced in 100 plus years of playing football. So there, there's a lot of unknowns still out there about BYU, but I, I truly think if you were to ask any BYU fan out there on the street and say, you know what, what would you consider bare minimum success for BYU? I think they'd say six and six. Now, could the bottom fall out on BYU? Could they finish three and eight? Sure, I, I, three and nine. Excuse me. Yeah, I, I could see that happening. But I think if you get to a bowl eligibility year one, you get to six and six, maybe push it to seven and five, and 
Heck, if you if you push it beyond that, I, that'd be very impressive. But I think if you are celebrating the postseason somewhere, year one of being a Power Five member, I think it'd be a pretty resounding success for BYU. I think it would be as well, and and I think that I think that might be some other teams, uh, you know, Davos, some of the other new teams. Uh, obviously, we've we've talked to a few, and uh, there are some that. Uh, the fan base as a whole is very, uh, I don't want to use the word cocky, but cocky. And, um, you know, they, they're expect coming in expecting, you know, eight and four, nine and three. Um, and, and as you mentioned, you know, it, the big 12 is a grind. Um, and we talk about it in basketball all the time where it's, it's an eight, it used to be an 18 round fight. I, I don't even want to do the math on it now, but, uh, basically anyone could beat anyone at any time. And, um, you know, tech basketball was terrible last year. And, and at one point, uh, we beat Kansas state or whoever we beat and they were the tops in the conference at the time. And so, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where the, the big 12 is a grind. And I think that, um, I think that it's really cool to add, to add the new teams and, and I'm I personally I know I know a lot of tech fans are as well are, are really looking forward to um, to the new teams that are coming in for sure um, we're kind of gonna put you, I'm gonna kind of put you on the spot here um, make the do some something fun here um, October 21st don't know if you'll be in attendance for the game um, but Texas Tech does make their way to Provo Um I'll ask for a. Pred- I'm going to ask for a prediction from you, and uh, you know you can break our hearts. That's fine, but uh, I'm I'm really interested to hear what you had to say about it. All right, so I, I'm lucky enough that I actually am, I do our pre and post game coverage for my radio station on BYU game, so I will actually be in attendance. I'll be down there at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, uh, watching the Red Raiders as they come in for the first time. Uh, but this is going to be an interesting game because I'm actually very high on Texas Tech. I think Joey McGuire is one of the coaches that gets so overlooked in just in the national uh, scheme of things, but he's done a very very good job with Tech in a very short time. I'm actually this is one of those games that I think BYU loses, but I think it'll be close. I, I think there's a home field advantage that BYU will enjoy in Provo. Uh, it's nearly a mile up in elevation. It sits at 4,600 feet in elevation, if I recall correctly, which will uh, by far be the highest elevation that any Big 12 team will play, obviously, in a conference play, and I think BYU will enjoy that home field advantage in that regard. Uh, outside of uh, Texas and Oklahoma, it is the biggest stadium uh, in terms of uh, uh, a te- a capacity, excuse me, uh, with 63,000 plus and you can guarantee that BYU fans will be there in force uh, year one here in the Big 12. They've already sold out of their season ticket allotment in Provo. So uh, a lot of things going for BYU in this game, but I am sneaky high on Tech. I I had a chance to fill out my preseason ballot for the Big 12, and I've got Tech. I had them sitting at number four in my ballot, but I'm, I'm not counting them out of making a run to the Big 12 title game if things break the right w- right way for the Red Raiders. And uh, part of that calculus for me was including them coming to Provo and winning that game. Uh, if you want me to put a number on it, I'd say I could see the game being somewhere like a, a 31-28. Like it's really tight, but Tech escapes Provo with the victory. Uh, we'll see what happens, but that's the fun part about this is I feel like the Big 12 uh, up and down the, the roster, so to say, with regards to these teams. As you mentioned, in basketball, any team can win on any given and I think football is going to have the same type of appeal. I, I like that, and and 
I I do remember I watched the uh, the Baylor game last year when y'all played when y'all hosted Baylor at uh, at Lavelle Edwards and um, I remember being super impressed with the with the home field advantage that y'all had and uh, and I, I I have to be honest and admit that that was probably one of the first true full games that I had watched uh, featuring BYU and and I was I was super impressed uh, even with. Uh, you know everything that happened in that game. That uh, just the just the uh, just the atmosphere. I was really I was really impressed by that. Well, and that's the thing about this is BYU fans, uh, by and large, have been waiting for the day when they would be a Power Five member. And as soon as BYU got that affiliation, trust me, uh, season ticket renewals, new season ticket uh, request to buy tickets went through the roof. As I mentioned, they've already sold out of their allotment. They did it very early on in the off season. BYU fans are excited to be part of the Big Twelve. I think there was some apathy at the tail end of the independent uh, era of some of the home slate for BYU. They'd they'd feature a game like you mentioned, like Baylor last year was a big game, but you had maybe one or two of those games on the home slate, and the other three, four, five games, you're like, eh, whatever. So now I think BYU fans are going to be even more engaged than they ever were before, simply due to the fact that they know that on a game-in and game-out basis, it, it, they're playing with the big boys. And that's the one thing that BYU has hoped for. Their fans have just absolutely craved it. I work, I've worked in sports radio in this market for 13 years now, if I recall correctly. And I got to tell you, college football runs things around here without the NFL here locally. So they... They absolutely have been craving what they're about to experience in the Big 12, and I would imagine that you're going to see uh, full-capacity crowds at LES throughout the entirety of the season, win or loss. So just this is not even football-related as far as anything Big 12 goes. This is just for your average Texas Tech fan who doesn't know anything about BYU or Provo or anything like that. From your personal perspective, you've been covering it for, you know, 10 plus years now. What makes Provo special? Oh, man, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, I grew up a stone's throw away from Provo, actually the next city over. So it's actually been kind of, quote unquote, in my blood my entire life. Uh, the biggest thing about Provo is it's just it's the, it's a community that is built around the university, for lack of a better term. And I, that's probably similar to Tech in many ways in Lubbock, that the, the fan base are, are, by and large, a lot of them are alumni that are living locally, working here. And it just are they love the university that they attended, and that's the thing about this is you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of BYU fans obviously milling around when you come here if you're a Texas Tech fan that you will uh, be both uh, astounded by their their kindness, but at the same time the 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 sober nature of their ribbing in game. Uh, Keaton Slovis, funny enough, he came here when he was playing for USC and lost a game in overtime when he threw a pick uh, in overtime to lose it, and he went on a podcast. I think it was actually a West Virginia podcast, maybe I don't remember what the exact one was. And he said it was the, the the most mean, sober crowd he had ever experienced in his entire life because BYU, as most people know, there's no alcohol on campus, the LDS religion, uh, just the, the, the adherence to the religion requires that you don't drink alcohol. So uh, they are going to absolutely welcome you. They'll shake your hand, pat you on the back, but they want their team to win. So it's going to be it's going to be a fun time. The other thing about this, if you're a Texas Tech fan who does come to Provo, uh, you can look forward to two things. Uh, you will get ice cream from BYU's Alumni Association. They actually uh, distribute it for free out to all opposing fans. They'll give you something. They call it. They have a creamery on campus. It's the BYU Creamery. They'll, they'll hook you up with some ice cream. But one thing you must try if you come to BYU is a thing called the Cougar Tail. It's a, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's, it's 18 inches of maple bar. It, it's, it's 
big. And I I'm, I can honestly say I have never finished one myself in one sitting. So I would encourage you if you split between two or three of your friends, but uh, it's a gigantic maple bar and it is worth uh, trying when you come to Provo. Well, you definitely answered my next question because I was definitely going to ask uh, what, what for all the tech fans that are making the trek, um, could you suggest maybe a third thing to do um, if there's, if they want to like, you know, go hike or something like that, you know, take in all the beautiful sure. scenery, you know, what, what is, what is some of the things that you would suggest? Well, I got a hike for you. It's called hiking the Y. BYU has a big block Y that sits on the mountain that you'll, you can literally see from anywhere in Utah Valley. And it's, it's a, it might be two miles round trip, but it goes up nearly a thousand vertical feet. It is, it's a, it's a pretty strenuous hike, but the views from it are absolutely incredible. If you're a tech fan coming, you absolutely should try that out. It, maybe if hiking's not your cup of tea, get up into the mountains. The, the Lavelle Edwards Stadium and BYU literally sit at the foot of the Wasatch Range, which is part of the Rocky Mountain chain, and you can go up to Sundance, where Robert Redford uh, obviously uh, has a ski resort, which is about if, if you hit all the lights right, 15 minutes. Uh, from BYU's campus. You can be right up there at Sundance, their resort up there in the canyon. Uh, There's just so much scenery to take in. And uh, coming in October, like tech will be, uh, the leaves will be changing on the mountains. There's going to be all kinds of shades of orange, red, and yellow on the mountains. You'll absolutely just love the setting. And I would encourage you, if if you're coming out, get up and enjoy some of the scenery up there because it's in many ways unparalleled in all of college football. Man, that got me hyped just wanting to go. Now I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to make it to Provo this year. There's a there's there's a come on out. We'll, we'll take care of you. There's a, a picture online, and this is nothing um, football related, but I, they there's a very beautiful picture on Google of y'all's baseball field and how the outlier of the the mountains in the yeah. outfield and things like that. Man, that that almost looks like a painting in some regard. Just like, I don't, I don't even think I'd go watch a baseball game. I just go sit in the stands and look in the outfield, you know? Oh, and guess what? There's a baseball game going on as well. So, I mean, it's, well, you, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not, you're not wrong about that. That's the funny thing about it. A lot of people ask about that. If it's been Photoshopped, it's not, uh, that, that is exactly the setting that, uh, that field is called Miller park. Uh, it faces directly at the Wasatch range. Uh, you'll see it, uh, sitting there, any seat in the stadium, uh, the building you see, if you look at, I know which picture you're talking about that building, you see, that's kind of the orange yellow brick. That's actually the Marriott center BYU's home court for basketball, which is right there as well. So yeah, the, the, the views out here in Provo, are absolutely immaculate. Uh, funny enough, like I said, I grew up here and I'm lucky enough to still call it home. Uh, I kind I of take it for granted at times how picturesque and beautiful it is. But during the fall when football's uh, going on, uh, it's hard to be, it's hard to beat, honestly, out here uh, when it comes to Provo. Well, Jake, I will say one thing. Uh, you, you won't take it for granted when you, when you do make that trip out to Lubbock because um, – Un- unlike the beautiful uh, backgrounds of Provo, there is uh, there is nothing. Uh, no, no, there's no elevation in Lubbock at all. Zero, zero. Uh, you can you can see for miles uh, just standing up. So yeah, um, pretty much. Uh, I would say the tallest. I'd say one of the tallest building, or I'd say one of the tallest points in Lubbock uh, that isn't in downtown is honestly probably the. Overton Hotel, which is across the street from uh, our football stadium, and if the, it's not that, it's the parking garage on the other side of the highway from our football stadium. And other than that, there's not a whole lot. 
Um, we do have we do have one building on campus that's about twelve stories tall, and it's the uh, the College of Communications. So okay, uh, MassCom. So um, it's pretty uh, it's pretty flat, and uh, it's you'll be able to see for miles. Well, let me let me just say this. I, I've been to Texas a fair amount in my life. I've been to Dallas. I, I've been to Fort Worth. I've been to Houston. I've been to Austin. I've been to San Antonio. I've even been to Amarillo, guys, but I have never been to Lubbock. So uh, the first time BYU plays in Lubbock, uh, I would put a quite large sum of money on the fact that I am planning on making that trip because I just want to, I'm ticking off all the other big cities and stops in the state of Texas. Might as well make Lubbock one of them. It's It's definitely one of a kind. I'll say that for sure. 100%. It's the, right. the, 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 running, the running joke here is at least what I was told um, when I w- was growing up here was Lubbock in the panhandle so flat you could see your dog run away for days. You know, that's just kind of oh, how, nice. how it works here. Okay. So um, we would be thrilled to have you out here as well the next time, you know, when that schedule comes out, BYU comes down here. Because I think you'd really enjoy the a- atmosphere that we provide at Jones Stadium and the south end zone um, renovation should probably be done by this time next year. So we'll have that new addition to our stadium there. And then we'd love to have you out there to watch some tortillas fly right at kickoff. Well, and that's the thing about this. I, I don't know how many people know this. You, you, you guys probably know this. Mike Leach, obviously one of the greatest coaches in, in tech history. He's a BYU alumnus. Uh, and so there was always kind of that affiliation loosely with tech. I, I've watched my fair share of Red Raiders football over the years. Just I'm, I'm a college football junkie at heart. It's my favorite sport. And trust me, my, my wife gets mad at me at how much football I actually watch. I'm lucky enough that a lot of it counts for work uh, for me. But uh, the thing about this, I've watched a fair amount of Texas Tech and watching the watching the tortillas fly in person is absolutely one of the things I want to check off on my bucket list of college football venues. Well, yeah, we, I like Joe said, you know, we'd love to have you and uh, Jake, we really do appreciate you coming on and chatting with us tonight. Uh, you know, took a chunk out of your night and, and you know, we, we do appreciate it. Um, if you want to go ahead and plug your socials, go for it. And uh, I'll, I can go ahead and plug the, plug the pod, the locked on BYU pod. Um, Obviously, Joe and I have listened to a couple episodes here and there, and it's fantastic. So, uh, y'all, y'all give it a listen and um, go ahead, Jake. Yeah, so I do need to clarify. It is called Locked On Cougars. BYU got really, um, really mad when we called it Locked On BYU originally. It was a they got gave us a uh, literally a cease and desist letter. Funny enough, so we had to change the name. It's it's Locked On Cougars, but it covers all things BYU on a daily basis. Uh, you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, every podcast provider out there has it. It's also on YouTube if you want the video element. I I video my my shining face every single day doing it. But uh, that's it's always fun. I love doing that. If you want to follow us on social media. Uh, search out Locked on Cougars on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We're on all three of those platforms. And my personal uh, Twitter feed, if you want my thoughts on all things sports, college football, NBA, NFL, all that stuff, uh, you can follow me, Jacob C. Hatch. It's my full name. You can find me on Twitter and hit me up. I'd love to chat with you guys. Well, again, Jake, we, we really do appreciate it. And uh, we're hoping to either get out to Provo or uh, host in Lubbock very soon. And uh, we're looking forward to it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Anytime, guys.